Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. All right. Hello there, Kim. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. So we have a special circumstance today. Normally, if you listen to the show regularly, you know when we bring on FDN practitioners, we typically interview them for their story first. But Kim was willing to, because I, I posted something in one of our groups, she was willing to help me out here and jump right into a lab analysis uh, podcast with me, which you guys have been loving. These are super fun. And worse yet is, Kim, we've actually done the HTMA before, but here's what happened the video didn't work at all. Like we didn't even have the video of the person because they came on and recorded with a phone. So uh, we love you, Barbara. Your episode did great for audio, but we need someone that can come on and show these people this stuff on video on our YouTube as well. Um, so we know that people want to hear this and see this, but they weren't able to fully last time. So I think we're going to have a good time. And Kim was even cooler. She brought on two different clients for us, two different patterns um, for the HTMA test, which is hair tissue mineral analysis. If you guys do not know, it is not one of the FDN core lab. So we don't teach this in the main course, but it is something that people really enjoy learning about right after graduating FDN. And we are also, I mean, we're blessed to have Kendra Perry, who was not only an FDN, she used to be the director of the professionals group for FDN. And she went on to create, I would have to imagine what is one of the more popular HTMA courses out there in the industry. She's a total expert. She knows what she's talking about. And, um, we're just lucky to have people like her and like you in this space that we can learn from, even if we've never used the test ourselves. I'm starting to use it more too. So I'm excited about this and getting to hear from you today. Now, what I will do is, you know what, Kim? I have an idea this time. I'm going to share the entire screen because I think that's what might've screwed me up last time. And we're probably going to... You're good now, right? You can see my stuff and I'll zoom in for you for a little bit. Yeah, that looks good. All right, cool. So... I will get this started here. Um, what we are looking at is an HTMA test by Trace Elements. Now, last time, even though we couldn't see it, we were describing a different test by a different lab. So just please know most of them test fundamentally for the same thing. I, From my understanding, there's some different markers on here, which um, Kim, I'm sure you can specify that for us when it's relevant to do so. I'm actually not sure what the differences would be because I've always used the other one. But in terms of the core markers, we are looking at the same thing. Um, if we look at the top here, we see that we have age 43. It's a female and we don't know anything else about her. So can we here to the degree that you're able to share these details. I understand that it's overall private, but um, what was this woman going through when she came to you? Why, why did she want to do testing and functional diagnostic nutrition type of stuff? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. She was, she was feeling very inflamed. Um, she was feeling like really um, like she had, she was fatigued, but she also felt very like revved up. And so she was having a lot of trouble just kind of like regulating her energy patterns throughout the day. Uh, she had uh, recently done explanted and she felt like there was some correlation there with some of the symptoms that she was experiencing because she got really sick from her breast implants from having them for 17 years. And um, she wanted to run the HTMA so we could take a look at 
you know, her mineral patterns to see if there was some, some ways to help support her nervous system, to see if there were some heavy metals that may have been part of her, her breast implants and things like that. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So obviously the reason that we're saying this, and maybe I shouldn't say, obviously it might be their first time listening. So if it is your first time listening, the reason this is relevant is because FDNs out of everything else, the core thing that makes us different is we do not treat the paperwork. We don't look at these markers and just automatically say, oh, this is high or this is low. So this is what this means. We want to know about the person and we're clinically correlating the things that we see on the tests to the individual. So that's something that we'll reference probably multiple times as we go through these lab results together. Now, the first section here, the nutritional elements, I'm recognizing this uh, right away, even though I've never used this specific test. I'm seeing something very similar to what we see on the front page of the other one. Uh, we have the calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium. And I would, I would assume this is all the same regardless of what test you're using. These are the big four over here, right? This is the core things that you're looking at. Yep. Yeah. When I, when I get an HTMA back from the lab, the first things I always look at are the first four minerals, which were just the ones you said, calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium. Uh, and I also take a look at um, the ratio between calcium and phosphorus, because that actually tells us whether or not what kind of pattern somebody has. And so if you see in the upper right-hand corner, it says FAST1 of this test. Um, that's because her calcium phosphorus ratio, meaning her calcium number of 31 divided by phosphorus is below 2.6. And that puts somebody into like a fast oxidation state. Um, and those are the first two things that I always take a look at. So somebody who has a pattern like this, this client where she's got the lower calcium and magnesium, and then she has the sodium and potassium being elevated. And it's pretty obvious to tell just based on, you know, and the midline is, is truly the midline right there on the test for, for each one of those minerals. Um, that's a classic fast oxidation pattern. And so people who have like a fast oxidation rate, you know, as, as Evan just said, like we want to correlate with the person. And so somebody who has a fast oxidation state, meaning that that lower calcium magnesium profile, the elevated sodium potassium profile, and then that fast oxidation, you know, calcium divided by phosphorus, they tend to be more anxious. They tend to be kind of type A personalities. They feel wired and tired, irritable. Um, they can have like a racing mind sometimes, deal with panic attacks, blood sugar issues, short, short tempered sometimes. And in longer term, especially because that calcium is low, they can deal with like things like osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, and things like that. Okay. One thing I'm, I'm curious about, because the only other times that I've really heard, you know, the whole metabolic typing thing is, of course, with the metabolic typing diet. That's where I've heard it before. And I've always been labeled a mixed oxidizer on that, which I believe. But what's interesting is when I finally ran an HTMA, and, and this does matter, but it was only about I don't know, barely a year ago, maybe actually a little less. And I came up as a slow oxidizer at the time. Now I ran it because I felt as if I was kind of running myself into the ground. I was wondering if I was depleted. It's not that I don't know the health stuff. I, I knew what I was doing, but I love my work. And sometimes it does catch yeah. up to me a little bit, right? I'm engaging yeah. with it a little too much. And so I was just wondering if I could course correct so that I could finish out the year strong because the, the year for me is the school year, right? So once June comes around, this is golden. You know, I do some podcasting, but I can really take some time off and actually chill. Uh, but I'm like, right, how can I get through this? What can I do? And I was surprised to see the slow oxidizer thing because for me, you know, when you hear about slow oxidizers, it's I don't really meet the the stereotype of it. In fact, what you just described, with the exception of the osteoporosis and stuff, 
I would have met every single one of those symptoms as a kid. So when we're talking about the metabolic type, at least from this test's perspective, how does that shift throughout time? If it Can it shift? Is it supposed to shift? Yeah, it, de it definitely does. I was a slow oxidizer when I started running these labs on myself. And I would say like 70 to 80% of people tend to be slow oxidizers, especially adults, just because like over time stress, um, things kind of slow down a little bit. Um, but I'm now a fast oxidizer. So you are able to shift yourself um, from a slow oxidation state to a fast oxidation. And, and people can be fast oxidizers and, and over time shift into slow oxidation. Um, kids tend to be like by default, they tend to be fast oxidizers, but I have run these tests on kids and I have found that some of them do tend to be more in the slow oxidation rate. So, um, but yeah, you, you can easily bounce, you can bounce back and forth. The goal is to get as balanced as possible. Right. And so, um, you can kind of shift back and forth, uh, and it can really depend on how much you're supporting your body, how much stress you're dealing with and things like that. Okay. And I am, um, I think this is clear, but I should have specified it a little more in the beginning. I'm still an amateur on HTMA, never done any formal training. I'm learning from FDNs. I've ran it on myself for fun. So I have plenty to learn when we are looking at sodium and potassium on the test. Literally these things are high. Are these markers that there's almost like an inverse relationship that it actually means it low or that means that it's low or do I, am I misunderstanding that? Um, so with yeah, it can. It, it 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 definitely can, and we can correlate with with how somebody's feeling and things like that. Um, you know, most of the time, elevated sodium on this test does actually mean inflammation in the body. So, okay. uh, when we see somebody's sodium marker elevated, they are dealing with lots of stress. Um, it could be gut pathogens. It could be metals. And as you can see over there on the right hand side in the pink section, she does have some elevated arsenic and mercury and some aluminum. Um, and, but it could also be other gut infections. And so when we see an elevated sodium marker, what we want to do is one, we really want to help support your nervous system. And two, we want to see where the sources of inflammation are. And she came to me feeling inflamed. So seeing an elevated sodium marker on this test definitely, um, correlated with how she was feeling. Okay. And for those on audio only, I should have said this as well. I mean, her sodium, this client is as high as it can be. Basically, it's at the very, very upper end of the chart here. What is it that connects high sodium with, with inflammation? Like, why does that happen? Um, it just drives it up. So um, sodium um, gets driven up by metals, um, stress, anger, things like that. It can elevate sodium in the body. Um, it just basically indicates like the stress response is greatly increased and, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're taking in too much sodium. Uh, sometimes people still, we still want to like make sure that they're getting enough sodium into their diet. We don't necessarily like so supplement with that, but, you know, making sure that they're still getting some sodium, you know, putting Celtic sea salt in on their food mm -hmm. and things like that. Okay, cool. Now, I always know those to be the big four. Um, I just counted, and it looks like there's another 11 markers in this nutritional element section. I, I've heard in the past, and they, they specified to me that they were oversimplifying it because sometimes there is certain things that you would do about these markers. But generally speaking, if they're even somewhat within range, I, as from my understanding, it turns out if you get the other four, like the big four under control, the others should kind of level out um, themselves. Is that is that the case and understanding in this particular client's results? Like, are you just kind of letting them 
go as they will, or do you have to do something specific for these? And for those listening on audio, um, I mean, everything technically out of these other 11 markers is within the reference range. It's just some are higher, some are lower. So what do we do about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So when we look at all of the minerals in this nutritional elements section, uh, we prioritize them. So the first four are first level minerals. And just like you said, like getting those in balance, they're like the big levers that control everything else. And so if we can get those in balance, a lot of times we'll see the second level minerals, which be things like copper, zinc, phosphorus, selenium, boron, lithium, um, you know, like we'll see some of those start to balance out. And then same thing with the third level minerals, which are all the rest of them. Um, they're, they're at a much lower amount. Um, and so sometimes we do supplement with some of them. They're, the minerals are a system. We don't typically like to try to spot treat minerals because, mm-hmm. you know, in order to absorb magnesium, you need things like boron. Um, and so that's why we test boron, even though boron's a third level mi- or second level mineral. I, a lot of times we'll still include a little bit of elemental boron in a protocol because it's going to help somebody boost their magnesium levels. And so, okay. um, you know, we want the core goal is to get those first four minerals in balance. But sometimes we need to get have some support from some of the other minerals to make that happen. Cool. The last question I have about this section then at this moment is these electrolyte supplements that we see on the market. And listen, when I've used electrolyte supplements, generally speaking, they've worked very well. I mean, I felt it's so funny when you get into this world, I'm sure you've experienced this in your own way. When you get into the world of the functional medicine thing, you could get so technical on like one end and then just miss something so fundamental. I I never used electrolytes as a supplement probably until like a year and a half ago. I was doing keto. I was doing all these things and never thought of the benefit of that. It's like, go figure. And I have seen a lot of benefit from it, but I'm thinking about this already, especially when you talk about this synergistic kind of relationship that these minerals will have with one another. And then I know that a lot of these electrolyte supplements on the market, I mean, they're straight up one size fits all. Um, I'm not going to mention any brands because when I'm not saying that the particular brand is bad per se, but there's certain popular ones out there that have like a thousand milligrams almost of salt and then relatively low, I believe it's like potassium and magnesium, but it doesn't account for these other things. So what is your what is your take on that? Should people be using those supplements or would they just be better off running an HTMA and then getting what is more or less a specialized uh, electrolyte supplement? Or do you think those have application? I think they do have applications and I'm an athlete and I do use electrolyte supplements, um, I, especially when I'm doing, you know, either before workout, after workout, even during a workout, I'll find some great benefit from using electrolytes because we're we're burning up our minerals when we're putting our body under a stress like that. And so I do see value in them, um, you know, but, you know, the, 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 I guess the configuration that you just shared, which had like sodium, potassium and magnesium. Yeah, that's great. I think it can be helpful as a, as a boost or what have you, but it's not going to solve the problem. And again, you know, FDNs, like we're of the mindset that you want to test, not guess. And so I do think that, I think everybody should run the, the HTMA just because um, minerals are so responsive to stress. And if somebody's dealing with things like energy issues, um, sleep issues, all sorts of thyroid issues, like minerals are involved in every system of the body. They make the body work better. They're, I kind of I like to the, think of them as like the spark plugs of the body or sometimes I even talk about like they're like the the, the lubricant that makes the machine run better. And so um, finding out what your unique patterns are is going to be your best bet because you're not just like trying to guess or trying something and hoping that it works because 
you know, synergistically, just like we talked about, like making sure that we've got all the key players in place to make sure your unique mineral patterns are being supported the way that they can is going to be your best bet. Okay. Very cool. Thank you. Um, next section here on the right is going to be toxic elements. And that is, I mean, it looks like our, our standard metals here. Mm -hmm. um, for those on audio, we have arsenic just above the reference range, mercury, I mean, fair enough over the reference range and then um, aluminum within the reference range. But I also know that some would argue that we really don't want to see certain metals. So how do you interpret um, a section like this when you see these specific results, Kim? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, and really, even though we see this reference range on this lab, if we see metals being pushed out through the hair, because this is a test that, you know, take a hair sample, uh, that's indicative that there's definitely some movement of metals or even some common or recent exposure to these metals. And so, you know, especially with arsenic being raised like that um, and, and mercury being raised like that, to me, that would say that this person did have a recent exposure to arsenic and mercury or is still being exposed to them on a regular basis. And it turned out with her, she was eating a ton of sushi several times a week. Um, and, you know, as far as the arsenic is concerned, we thought that maybe that came from like her breast implants or things like that. Um, and she had just had that explant surgery maybe within a year prior to us doing this test. Um, and so even when we see some aluminum like that, you know, a lot of us get exposed to aluminum through our cookware. Deodorant has aluminum in it and things like that. And so in that case, even though there's just a little amount, we're still seeing some movement in the body and it can cause problems even in small amounts. And so reducing exposures to it, changing out the products that we use and things like that is usually a first step. Um, okay. And the second step is really to balance those minerals. Balancing minerals is like those first four macro minerals is the key to literally everything because a lot of times it'll help gently pull some of those out. I, I was about to say, yeah, I feel like if, I mean, if, the cells are getting the things that they need to work better. You would imagine that they'd push this kind of stuff out. It's amazing how many people don't look at this either, or don't even consider it that bad. There was um, a, a woman that I worked with. I'm technically still working with her uh, personally. And she came to me and like really, really dedicated person. I mean, almost threw me off with how much stuff she had already done considering how she felt. I'm like, all right, this is kind of weird. Like, I know we got to be missing something here, but you got to dig kind of deep to find it in those clients. And then eventually we come across this. I'm like, has anyone run any labs with you? And she said, yeah, I've had this like hair tissue mineral analysis thing done. I'm like, all right, cool. So she sends me that one. And it's the other lab that, um, the other main lab that does this at least. And her mercury, Kim, was, you know where that sodium is on the left side here, where it's like literally higher than the top end? That's where her mercury was on yeah. the other HTMA test. And I said, well, what did they do for you? And she said, oh, well, I just had to stop eating like fish and this would detox it itself over time. And I was like, oh my God, because this was like a year ago before we ran the test again. And I'm not even saying that's not literally correct because she was in Costa Rica at the time. She was eating high amounts of seafood right off the uh, pier, basically, from where they were fishing. So I'm not saying that's incorrect, but the idea that we're not going to support this person in any additional way while they are clearly symptomatic when their mercury is that high was just asinine to me. So I said, how about let's do this. You run the test again, because I know it's been a year. I know that you don't want to run it right away um, 
again, but I just want to see it. So if the mercury is not high, I'll pay for your test. And if it was high, then you just say, hey, good idea. And we do the supplement stuff together. She said, all right, fine. And we run the test. And sure enough, was it down lower than last year? Yeah, it was. It was still the highest uh, highest mercury I've ever seen other than her original one on this test. So this stuff doesn't just magically go away, right? Like we need to actually put in a deliberate effort to getting this stuff out. So in addition to balancing the big four, which is going to help this. What are some other things that we might do for someone or might recommend to someone who's dealing with like higher levels of mercury, arsenic or whatever? Yeah. I mean, there's specific protocols that we do, but depending on the metal, there's certain minerals that are really helpful to kind of like have an antagonist relationship to help slowly, gently pull that out. Um, we'll also do binders. Um, you know, zeolite spray can be very helpful, but you have to make sure that you're balancing the minerals first. I see a lot of people just going straight to heavy metal detoxes or using zeolite without balancing their minerals and that can cause other types of problems and make somebody feel worse. And so those are those are usually like the starting points from that. And then once somebody's minerals are a little bit more balanced, meaning that their body can handle um, more of like an aggressive, if you will, like detox of a metal, then we can do specific protocols for that metal, especially if it's still like hanging in the tissues like this and it needs a little bit of extra like support to get that out. Cool. I don't know if this, I guess I don't know if this applies directly on the HTMA, but I've heard of before, there's almost this, um, it, it's kind of paradoxical. I heard that the lower the mercury, not always, I think it's like more of like a middle ground thing it can actually be harder to get some of these metals out when they are lower because the body won't recognize it as easily as when it's super high. Um, do you, first of all, do you know what I'm talking about? And assuming that you do, is that relevant on the HTMA? Like, is it harder to get those last levels out than a higher level? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily harder. It just, it, if your minerals are out of balance, it's going to be harder. And we don't actually want to do a whole lot with trying to move those, those metals out of the body at that time. Um, you know, when you see it elevated like this on the test, it usually means that your body is moving the metals around and they're not just like embedded in the tissues. And so when you have more freedom in your mineral system because it's working properly, then you should actually see those elevated and it is easier to go after. So cool. when, when they're low, yeah, and especially when you're at, when you've got such imbalances in the macro mineral system, like we see with this client, like we, you don't really want to do a whole lot of, of aggressive work on the minerals at this or at the metals on this time down the road, definitely. But first priority is always balancing those minerals. Very interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to the next section in a second. I actually realized, I apologize. Um, I should have asked you this question probably in the beginning. Why did you end up using this lab in your practice? There's, of course, nothing wrong with this. We get a bunch of additional labs that we get access to once we graduate FDN, but it's clearly not one of the core ones taught. So someone has to really go out of their way to use this and learn this. Um, must have been for a good reason. So what motivates you or what have you seen that that you started using this in your uh, practice? Yeah, um, I I think there's there's two core reasons why. First, my own experience. Um, mm -hmm. I I suspected I had copper toxicity, and because I had um, you know 12 years of birth control, hormonal birth control use, and three years of a copper IUD, and I was dealing with oh, a lot of copper toxic symptoms, and so I and I felt you know, I'd done the FDN approach. I felt pretty darn good, but I still was dealing with some, some symptoms of copper toxicity. So I decided to run this test and sure enough, I had copper toxicity. And so 
Um, it was a, it was like that missing piece of the puzzle for me in my own healing journey. And it's what took me like finally to the finish line as far as like how I felt. Um, and I also feel, I love this test for that reason. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about copper toxicity because of my own experience with it. And, and I, I work with a lot of women who do experience that or have, have symptoms of it. And so I found it to be super helpful in my own practice with regards to that. And it's a really, it's the most cost-effective um, functional lab that we have access to. Yeah, I, I will say that. That's what one thing that intrigued me is I'm hearing these stories and I'm hearing how effective it can be uh, just running this alone sometimes. And I'm like, this is cheap. This is really cool if I can help get the needle moving for people. And um, I will say this. I mean, I've been in this space for a very long time. Grant you, yes, I was burning the candle kind of at both ends um, when I ran this test. But I will say that supplement helped me a lot, like the protocol for this. And I say supplement, not that we only do that as FDNs, but I mean, I already had everything else dialed in and I wasn't going to back off the work. I just, I didn't want to do that personally. And so there's only so many things you can do at that point. If the sleep's on par, um, the diet's good, everything like that, I needed to supplement this lifestyle then. And it, it made a difference. It really, really yeah. does. It's very cool. Um, it definitely helps in physical exercise as well. Oh, yeah. And I'm, yeah, as an athlete, like it's been instrumental for me. It's, um, I saw my, my performance just totally like take it to the next level because I supported my own system. So nice. So yeah, you, you were burning the candle at both ends and, and feeling that, that stress and that pressure, like supporting mm -hmm. your minerals is going to help you, you know, do that successfully and not feel too burned out. Absolutely. All right. Moving down to our next section here, the additional elements. Um, how, how do you how do you look at something like this? Because this is something I'm I'm very ignorant to this whole section. So do we do anything with this? Do you kind of just ignore it or is it case by case? It's it's case by case, you know, in this in this case, like so two of them are, you know, in my opinion, are more like nutritional elements. So rubidium, which is the most elevated on that section, and then lithium, which is right next to it. Um, I, rubidium is very helpful for helping a person get the adequate levels of potassium in. And so this person's rubidium and potassium were elevated. So we don't really have to, to worry too much about it that, but in the other profile that we're going to take a look at, you'll see that both of them are very low. And so we would want to support both of those because rubidium and potassium go up and down together. Um, okay. and so I always look at that and then lithium, um, can be very helpful for mood related things. And we, you know, sometimes we'll do like a very you know, five milligrams of lithium orotate to, to help if somebody's lithium levels are low, can be helpful for detoxification as well. And so sometimes depending on, again, looking at the symptom profile of a client, we may do some support with lithium. So I always look at those in relation to the nutritional elements that we looked at initially. Very cool. I saw someone where they suffer with what they're told is bipolar. And I say that not because I don't believe in bipolar. I just don't know if I believe it for them, but that's besides the point. They've been given, of course, high amounts of lithium throughout the years because of this. It's an older client. So it's someone that lithium, I'm not, it's still used, right? But it was just handed out at one point, like this was the go-to for it. And it was uh, just, again, like where that sodium was for this woman here, it was just off the charts. And I'm like, wow, that seems like they're getting a little too much if it's that high. But could be wrong. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, 
We'll do, we'll do this first. We'll do the significant ratios first. So uh, what does this mean in terms of like, like, do you even need this when you know the other things or do the ratios have a unique educational purpose for you as the practitioner? Yeah. I mean, ratios are probably just as important or more important than the individual minerals themselves because they tell us unique things about a person's different systems. So, you know, I talked about the calcium phosphorus ratio, which is the first one that you see there. And that tells us our metabolic rate, fast oxidation, slow oxidation, et cetera. So again, if you're below the, the midline there, then you're going to be considered a fast oxidizer if you're above it. And I've seen it up as high as, as 12, even higher before 20 for somebody's calcium phosphorus ratio. The higher the number, the slower the, your metabolism, essentially. And so that's something that we always want to take a look at. Um, the other, the other ratios are also important. So the next one there that you're seeing on the screen is your sodium potassium ratio. Cause we want to see those two, um, how they're in relation to each other. And that's our stress vitality ratio. Um, we consider it one of the most important ratios for somebody. And so when somebody's high, they might be dealing with metals, stress, inflammation, they feel irritable, angry, snappy feelings, high stress feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it's really low, they feel completely exhausted, run down, fatigued, chronically stressed, um, poor immune system, digestion and um, issues and things like that. And so we always want to take a look at that and correlate with the person as well, because the ratio in between these these minerals is also just as important. OK, mm -hmm. uh, a couple other ones there, calcium potassium ratio. That's our thyroid ratio. And so, uh, you know. There's a statistic that like somewhere around like one in eight people deals with a thyroid issue at some point in their life, whether or not they know it. Um, and so looking at the thyroid ratio can be very helpful because like in this person's case, she had like lower calcium. But like a lot of times they see in the slow oxidation rate, like their calcium is super elevated and it's almost blocking nutrients from getting into the cell. So blocking thyroid hormone, glucose and um, nutrients and things like that. And so you know, always taking a look at the thyroid ratio is very important to, to be able to support the body properly. Okay, cool. Yeah. What about the uh, sodium magnesium one? I feel like that's probably important. That's another really important one. That's our adrenal ratio. I always like to look at that as well. And so um, when somebody has like a high sodium magnesium ratio, like we see in this particular example, a lot of times we'll, again, we're, we're dealing with elevated inflammation in the body, um, but they also might have that wired and tired feeling because they've got excessive adrenal output. Um, they tend to have like a magnesium deficiency um, that's pretty common in this particular ratio when it's elevated. Now, when it's low, somebody's dealing with chronic stress, exhaustion, um, decreased adrenal effect. They're just feeling super tired, you know, having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Uh, feeling run down and exhausted all day long. And so a lot of times when the sodium magnesium ratio is, is low, we want to make sure we're first supporting sodium. A lot of times people make themselves feel worse because they keep hearing magnesium, 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 but they also need yeah. sodium to help support those adrenals because the sodium really nourishes the adrenals. And so looking at that, sometimes we, it helps us prioritize you know, what do we need to get in first? And so a lot of times with somebody with a low sodium magnesium ratio, I might be like, okay, start your morning with a, a, a glass of water with a pinch of sea salt in it, um, maybe with a little bit of lemon and really start to like get their, their sodium levels restored. And then we can start to layer in magnesium down the road. 
That's such a good point. I mean, how often? Yeah, everywhere the magnesium thing is pushed. Yeah. I do hear people talking about like taking some salt, but it's it's niche. It's in our world of functional medicine, whereas the magnesium thing is pushed to every single person I know, even if they don't know anything about health. I can't tell you how many people I know take that supplement, even though they're, they're maybe like a family member that doesn't care about this at all, right? They drink beer every night, and yet they'll take magnesium because they've been told to. Very interesting. Um, is this the... Like, is this the next section here that you were talking about has unique markers? Because I feel like when I've looked at these other tests, I don't recognize this toxic ratios thing unless I'm just really that new that I don't know it. Um, this isn't on the other test that you're familiar with, but really what this shows us is just the interference of metals with some of our core minerals. And so um, we, the goal is, is, is we want the bars in this section to be all the way at the top. So okay. for somebody, for her, we're showing that we have a significant interference of metals in her mineral profile. And so, you know, you can see that lead, you know, you see the first one that's lower is iron um, and lead. And so iron might be getting interfered with because of lead. A lot of them are being interfered with because of mercury. So iron, selenium, zinc, and sulfur are all showing some interference because of that. And so um, again, that just really stresses the fact that we need to remove exposures because um, and we need to really support that mineral system so that we can get these these markers up. And this is the first test I ran with this client. And I am happy to say that on her third test, which is the most recent one we ran a couple months ago, she we were able to get those toxic ratios all the way back to the top. So we did definitely nice. see some great improvements with her. Yeah. Awesome. Man, I'm going to have to go back to eighth grade science class to uh, get my periodic table. You know what I mean? Some of these, I, I was good. I listen, I could do the potassium thing. Like I remember K, you know what I mean? I knew they tried to screw you up with that when you were in school, but yeah, some of these are getting me a little bit. So uh, I will have to review some of those. Are these uh, additional ratios, the unique markers on this test? Like, I guess I'm still kind of confused which ones were unique that makes you run this test over the other one. Um, There's just more, there's more metals that are tested. There's more nutritional elements that are tested. So like, okay. For example, like boron is not run by analytical research, but, and that's the other Got lab. It. And boron is, knowing the status of boron is very helpful because it tells us if we need to support that in order to get the magnesium levels up, stuff like that. So okay. that's why I like to run this test. Cool. Do you look at this additional ratio section, which is at the very bottom or no? Sometimes I do, but there's not a whole lot of explanation with regards to that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I'm so glad to know that this person is starting to feel better. Um, that's, that's what it takes. And you know what? I noticed that you said that was a few months ago. And this original test was ran on May 11th of 2021. I think this matters. FDN works. What we do works, right? But this can take some time. And I'm sure there's many things that come up with a particular client throughout a year plus of working with them. But, you know, trust the process. This person is 43 years old, right? Your body, you have to remember, unfortunately, after like your late 20s, early 30s, the body, if it, even if everything was being done perfectly, it is degrading not increasing, right? So we're, we're fighting against time here a little bit too. And that needs to be noted, but you can heal, you can get better. You just got to give the body some time. And so uh, that, that's amazing to know that things are getting better for her. I'm very happy about that. Um, for time's sake, wow. Well, we can skip a lot of the formalities on this one. So that's yeah. good because we kind of went over some basic stuff. Uh, let's get right into this one. So we have a slow oxidizer pattern, 39-year-old female, so similar enough age. And this was ran in April of 2022. And right from the get-go, uh, for those on audio, we're seeing a completely different thing on the, the first part in the nutritional elements. So thank you so much, Kim, for bringing on something 
again, wildly different than the other one. We have super high calcium, uh, middle range magnesium, and then low sodium, low potassium. So this is a slow oxidizer pattern, as it says, correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep, that's our typical slow oxidizer pattern. And is this, oh my gosh, I don't want to sound ignorant, but is this what they call the calcium shell with it being so high? Yep, exactly. So, oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yep, yep, you're on it. Yeah, anything above like 165 on the calcium. So calcium, we want to be around 63. And so this person's calcium is 259 uh, for those of you who are on audio. And so that's that's pretty significant. We've got this, this calcium that is building up in the tissues. And if you think of calcium, calcium is a hard substance, right? You think about like the calcification on a water fountain or something like that's hard and you got to scrub really hard to get that off. I mean, that's essentially happening inside the tissues. And what that also means is that it's not getting into the bone. And so we do see when somebody has got an elevated calcium profile like this, that they could deal with like um, longer term, like osteoporosis, osteopenia, and things like that as well. Because again, calcium is just not getting to where it needs to be. Okay. And with this, um, the calcium shell thing, I mean, obviously it just seems like it's super high calcium, but is there a, I know everyone's different, but is there a typical symptom profile that one might expect to see with someone who has this? With the calcium shell, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, you feel, a lot of times we'll see like hypothyroid symptoms. Um, we'll see um, irritability, fatigue is huge. Because again, if you think about what I talked about earlier with the thyroid ratio, where calcium is kind of blocking uh, nutrients from getting inside the cell. I mean, the way that I you know visually like to explain it is like, it's almost like the cell is starving because calcium is blocking those nutrients to get inside that cell, right? And so... Um, you know, you might deal with things like brain fog, racing thoughts. Um, you can deal with, sometimes you deal with like kidney stones, um, joint and muscle pain is pretty Jesus. common for people, um, feeling disconnected, apathetic, anger. Those will actually, actually all can be symptoms of a calcium shell. Wow. Okay. I always hear people talking about with ketosis and like fasting and stuff and even certain other things where if you don't supplement the electrolytes or you're dehydrated all the time, it can lead to the kidney stones. Is that correlated at all here or is that a completely separate causal thing for kidney stones? Um, I think there's a couple different kinds. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I haven't really worked no with a lot of people with that. So it's hard for me to answer that specifically. No problem at all. I was just, I was kind of curious. I like trying to connect these things if I can. Yeah. Um, so we see kind of, um, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but a conceptually similar thing in the other nutritional elements on this thing outside of the big four, whereas like, all right, yes, some are high, some are low. I mean, they're basically within the reference range and we would probably expect these to become a little more regulated as we did the big four. I am noticing that the boron seems to be a little higher on this one, um, a little upper end of the reference range, but it is still within it. So is this one of those cases, again, where we're looking at these other nutritional elements and saying, all right, cool, what we need to do here really is just focus on the big four, or was there something that you would have done or uh, did do for this person in the other ones? Um, these other ones. Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we want to make sure we're supporting the big four a, a lot. I mean, you see that potassium, it's super low and so low potassium can, can cause a lot. Of, a lot of people deal with like heart palpitations, exercise intolerance and things like that when you see sodium that low. Same thing with, sorry, sodium and potassium that low. Um, I, you know, you see her selenium is pretty low as well. And so, you know, I talked about how we deal, we see a lot of stuff with like hypothyroid, hypothyroid mm -hmm. symptoms, when you see a calcium shell, 
So seeing that selenium low isn't surprising because since selenium is helpful for thyroid. And so we, we did, we do want to support like selenium in this case um, because okay. it is, it is low. And I, I probably would have su supported, I think I supported molybdenum a little bit too, since her molybdenum was a little bit low. So I'm looking at it. How do we kind of support the whole system as a whole um, with regards Got to it. that? All right. Now, this is interesting over here, moving to the toxic elements on this one. Because, I mean, again, I'm not an expert in HTMA. I've looked at a good handful of them, though. I, some, of course, you see the the metals are not terrible, but they're there. I mean, she's practically non-existent. And I, I'm kind of surprised by that because I feel like we're all exposed to it. Her big four clearly indicates that she is someone who, you know, is not doing so great right now overall. Why, does this happen often that these people don't show up for any metals? Like, how would someone even escape that in today's world? Yeah, and it doesn't mean that she doesn't have any metals. It just means that her body is not moving the metals out of the oh. body. So, oh, oh wait, can I, I? I got a gold star. This hopefully okay. is the reason that they're not moving it out of the body because she is in a slow oxidizing state right now, so it's kind of holding on to the stuff. Yes, exactly. Yep. All right, Perfect. nice. I'll yep. take my gold star, please. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so she. We have no idea how toxic she is, really. Right, exactly. And so in this case, there's not like a whole lot for us to do as far as removing exposures. I mean, there's a little bit of movement, you know, you don't have, you, you do see just a smidge of a line with aluminum and mercury and uranium. But I mean, really our, our real primary goal here is to help break up that calcium and get those, those, the sodium and the potassium up so we can get more in a balanced state. And a lot of times on a retest, we will actually see more movement of metals in the body because mm. we've energetically like increased the the ability of the cells. That is perfect example of what we do at FDN, right? Because if you just looked at these as individual tests, um, the untrained eye would easily say, oh, well, now you have metals. That's terrible, right? Where we know if you're working with the client, if you're actually addressing the person and not just treating paperwork, that's progress in her case to be getting some of these metals moving. So, um, I mean, I, I know that we don't know where it would be, but just so I understand this fully, it is fair to say that if we adjusted the big four, if we could wave a magic wand and all of a sudden they were good to go. Um, it is fair to say that the uranium, mercury, and aluminum, which we do see borderline, at the very least, those are going up probably, right? Possibly, yeah. I mean, okay. it really depends on, on the person. Sometimes I do see them move up. Sometimes I actually see them, I see them get cut down even more. And it just kind of right. depends on sometimes balancing those minerals was the key to moving out any of the, the, the metals that we were seeing. Very cool. All right. Well, hopefully, um, I don't know if that ended up being the case for her. This was in April. Do you remember what happened next? We are not, we have not yet retested. That's coming up here pretty soon. So, cool. well, t TBD. <laughs> All right. All right. No worries. All right. Next is the additional elements section again. Um, I, I could be wrong. I mean, sorry, there's a lot of markers here. I almost feel like this looks similar to the other one or am I off? Um, it looks pretty similar. We no, do no. We had the rubidum. We see a little bit of barium. We see some strontium. Um, usually we do see strontium elevated when calcium is high. So that's that's typically, you know, especially on a first test, that's what we see. Uh, barium, there are there is a little bit of barium. So again, that would be similar to what we saw in the other tests. Like you just want to like cut back exposure to anything where you might be getting some barium into your world. Got it. I forgot. It was the rubidium that was high. I yeah. think what it was is that there was basically one outstanding thing on each side. And that's what I'm confusing it with. So, yeah. all right, cool. Um, we see in her ratios, this one I feel like definitely looks kind of similar, even though it's a slow oxidizer, though. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we're seeing, we're definitely seeing the calcium phosphorus ratio elevated before. I think it was like a one point something. And on this one, it's 14.39. So definitely really, really quite a slow oxidation rate because again, the calcium is so high. Uh, the sodium magnesium ratio was super elevated on the last test. I think it was in the sixes and now we're at a 0.7. So that really correlates oh, with I'm that missing, person feeling. I'm mixing up the lines. It's throwing my eyes off. Okay. So, <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> no worries. I got you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like for that person, the sodium magnesium, like that, this person would definitely benefit from, you know, prioritizing sodium over magnesium initially. And then we can layer in that magnesium. Okay. Got it. Um, last but not least, well, basically last but not least. So her toxic ratios thing, we wanted them to be at the top of the chart, as you taught me. And I mean, they're they're perfect. But I mean, is this one of those cases where it's almost like a non-clue because we know that that metals thing is not necessarily accurate? Or would you still say that this has some validity? Um, I mean, there's not much to do with it in this case, just this t first test around. I mean, really, the primary goals of this particular test are to... Uh, you know, balance those minerals and um, break up that calcium shell. I think there was there was enough there for, for us to get started with. And then let's take a look at the toxic ratios on a retest. Very cool. Well, we'll be excited to hear about that retest. And if you'd like, I mean, please, um, we have a lot of people that listen regularly. We can kind of see that in the stats. And so um, if you remember, if you want to, you're more than welcome to email me and just say, hey, think this is how things are going. I'd be, I'd be happy to have you pop back in because we haven't really gotten your story yet, Kim. So it would be kind of cool if we ended up doing another episode where maybe there's something of of there's some insight to be gained by learning about that retest. And then we could actually hear your story as well and just kind of spend a little bit of time on the retest. So up to you. I, I hope to hear from you with that. Now, with this all said, um, the last question that I want to ask today as we kind of uh, reach the end of our time, the last question about the test at least, is when I'm hearing from some FDNs and it, it's less than not, but some of these people are just running this test to start off. They're not running the FDN foundationals, um, which, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't done this yet. I would have to imagine that's not optimal, but I get why they do it, right? It's cheaper. I understand this. So when you are running these tests, of course, we have the ability to supplement. If the person changed nothing but just supplemented, I mean, I assume they'd be better off than not. But how much of these these numbers really moving, like this stuff really getting in the right direction, how much of it is based on the lifestyle stuff versus these specific protocols and supplements that can come from the test results? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely important to do both because like minerals are very responsive to stress. So if you're, if you're super stressed out and you're not changing your diet and you're not you're, you're, you're still eating a lot of processed foods, which is where, you know, our food is where we get our minerals from um, and stuff like that. Like you may not see a lot of movement. And I have done retests where somebody was just like, well, I'm just going to do the supplements and I'm not going to worry about anything else because I just don't have time for it. Their, their retest really didn't show a ton of change. And so okay. that's when we have to have that conversation. Like, hey, like at least you didn't get more depleted right? And so the supplements probably did help with regards to that. But if you want to get to your goals, you know, really focusing on the, the dress model that we, we talk about here in FDN, diet, rest, exercise, supplementation, and stress reduction, like that's going to help you move the needle. And that's where I see the, the biggest results. Even if this is the only test somebody runs, we see a lot of, we can see a lot of movement with, with, with pro and get some progress if somebody does commit to doing all of the lifestyle strategies, diet, et cetera, too. 
Very cool. All right. Well, I think that'll just about do it for today. Of course, I'm going to ask where people can find you. Uh, before we even do that, I think the one question I'll ask is like, who do you work with? Now, I only have two lab results here, but based on the fact that they're 39 and 43-year-old females, I'm guessing is it like that earlier middle-aged woman that you typically help? Like what, what type of person typically comes to you? Yeah. Most of my clients are women. Um, between 30 and 50. Uh, I do work with men too. I just, I, you know, primarily have women coming to me, I think just maybe because that's who I am. <laughs> um, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I work with people who are more, I'm 41. So it's, it's in the same, you know, general age range as myself. Um, I work with a lot of people who are dealing with gut issues, um, migraines. I, I had chronic migraines for 25 years. And so I get a lot of folks who, who experience chronic migraines themselves. And then also copper toxicity, since it's something that is, is pretty near and dear to my own personal experience as well. Very cool. All right. Where can people find you if they'd like to work with you and have their HTMA or other things analyzed? Yeah. Um, you know, a good way to get hold of me or find me is on Instagram. I'm really active there and it's just my first name dot last name. So Kim dot Heinz is my IG handle. Um, Kim com is my website and I do have an HTMA, you know, explanation or like a sales page, et cetera, to learn more about the HTMA cool. and stuff. And that's Kim com forward slash HTMA. So pretty easy to find. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on with us today. I appreciated this. And I love learning about these new tests uh, by my fellow FDN. So thank you. Yeah, it was fun geeking out with you over here today. Cool. I love I love the HTMA. So thanks for having me.